You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, welcome to episode 40 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today we are talking about six must-use strategies for professional development. So here's where this topic came from. Last week we talked a little bit about how to conduct a needs assessment. That was episode 39 if you're hunting through your app. <laughs> so we talked about ways to conduct a needs assessment and then what you can actually do once you have that assessment information. So one of the recommendations is professional development. Now these strategies can also be used for PLC, but the bottom line is they are strategies that help learners engage with content and apply it, kind of bridge to their learning and then apply it to um, the work that they are gonna do in the classroom. They're actually going to get the opportunity to think through how these strategies could be used in the classroom, that's ideal. So I'm gonna share with you six strategies for professional development today. And before I do, I want you to think about what your actual purpose is for professional development. We have all sat in a room and wondered, why am I here, right? Sometimes things that are called professional developments are really just staff meetings, and they're kind of allowing people, they're giving people information, but they are not giving people the opportunity to engage with new learning and to make it their own. And that is really the purpose of professional development is to give people access to new stuff or stuff that confirms what they know but extends it and to give them the opportunity to work with that content and start to build a bridge from their own learning to the new learning and to build a bridge from what's in their brain to what's gonna happen in their classrooms. So I want you to think about these three things for professional development that are really key points for you to keep in mind when you plan your next PD. Good PD is relevant, and it includes stuff that will change teachers' teaching right away. Now, of course, it's important to include ideology, and I do that every time I do a professional development. But if the whole PD is all about why we do things but not how to do things, teachers don't understand how to implement any of that learning, and they can walk away feeling empty and frustrated and like their time was wasted. Number one rule of PD, don't waste teachers' time. The second tip is good PD is based on best practices and supportive of student learning and teacher growth. So we wanna make sure that when we're providing PD, we are acknowledging what best practices are and how this is going to look for student learning. The last one is good PD model strategies that teachers can integrate into their own teaching. So we can actually use these strategies to teach teachers about new topics and then teachers can use them to teach their students about new topics too. So let's get into these six strategies because I really think you're going to love them. These are my favorites that I use. I, I, in every workshop that I do, there are at least a couple of these strategies embedded throughout the day because they're hands-on, they're exciting, they are engaging, they get teachers to talk, and they really help teachers acquire new learning. So here's number one. My first one is word sorts. So here's how it works. You provide a set of cards for each pair or group of three teachers. And on the cards are words that you're going to be working with during your professional development session. So you could give them a set at the beginning of the session and have them sort them into groups and just say, you're going to sort them into whatever groups make sense to you, right? There's no wrong answer. You're accessing background knowledge. Then you can have them resort. 
and you can see what the difference is from their beginning sorts to their ending sorts based on what they've learned. You can also give them a closed sort where you assign categories and teachers have to sort the words into different categories. So for example, if you were doing a session about a math workshop, you could have words like problem solving, number sense, differentiation, operations on the cards. And this will encourage teachers to talk about the language that they're going to use during the workshop and access their background knowledge. And then over time, throughout the work, as you're moving through the workshop, through the professional development, by the end, hopefully they have changed their understanding about some of those processes based on something that you've done to teach about a new concept. And they can maybe organize them in a different way based on their new learning. Teachers like it because it gives them time to talk and share about their experience and their knowledge. It values their background knowledge and experience as teachers. And you will like it because it'll show you what background knowledge teachers already have about a topic that you're learning about. For example, if I supplied a set of word cards to teachers and they had all different um, simple, short, one-syllable words on them, and then I asked teachers to identify syllable types and sort them into groups, at the end of the lesson on syllable types, hopefully by then they will be able to sort them accurately because they have learned something about those syllable types. So we're trying to get teachers to kind of access background knowledge at the beginning, learn something in the middle, and apply it to the word sort at the end. My second strategy is graffiti. I love graffiti. Um, it's a fun strategy that, to use with kids and with teachers. Every teacher that I've used it with thought it was pretty cool and wanted to take it back to their classroom. This is how you do it. Around the room, you place blank charts. They're blank except for a topic written on top. So for example, if you're working with balanced literacy, each chart could be titled like read aloud. You might have one that says read aloud, one that says shared reading, one that says independent reading, one that says mini lesson, etc. Okay. The teachers are gonna rotate through the charts in groups usually, adding everything they know about that topic. And they can use words or pictures, hence the term graffiti. It makes a good activity for the beginning of a session because it helps you ac access their background knowledge. And then at the end, you can have them move through the charts again, adding what they've learned and correcting anything that maybe needs adjustment based on what they've learned during the session. So teachers really like it because they get to talk and move, but they get to talk and move with the people that they chose to sit with because I just have them move their tables, become groups, and that's how they rotate through the signs. And you will like it because it'll really show you what they already know about the topics that you're going to teach on. So you can really focus on any gaps or any misunderstandings. And it also is really helpful because teachers will say, you know what, I saw this up on the wall, but now you're teaching this. Is that accurate? And you can kind of have a dialogue about um, adjusting that background knowledge. Teachers like it a lot, and it's a, it's a really great strategy for them to use in their classrooms. It's really good for a follow-up training. So if you've introduced a topic and you want teachers to think about what they know because you're going to add more detail or depth of understanding to that topic, you can use graffiti to get them thinking and recalling what you've learned together, discussing that previous learning, and then you can dig deeper in your second workshop, and they can go back and add their learning to those charts as well. You can also use just a picture as a stimulus. So this works really well if you're helping teachers learn content information. So if you're helping them learn about, let's say, some sort of historical events, and you're going to have different pictures of these events on charts around the room, teachers can access their background knowledge, think about what they already know, write everything on there, and then whenever you go through the workshop, you'll learn more about those events so they can add those details to the charts at the end of the session. 
My third favorite strategy might even be my most favorite strategy. <laughs> it's card sorts or card matching. So what this is, is you provide teachers with a set of cards and on the cards is the information that either needs to be matched or sorted. So for example, if you're introducing the six traits of writing, you can have teachers match the name of the trait with the quality that that trait demonstrates. And then, and this is an easy one, you can have them turn it into a foldable by gluing the trait to the front and the qualities on the inside. So it's really simple to, to do in the moment because the information is on cards and all teachers are doing is either sorting it into categories, closed categories, or they're matching it. And so you can use it for literally anything. I have used a card sort in almost, I think, every workshop <laughs> that I've done since I've become an independent consultant because I feel like it's so valuable to teachers. I actually have a set of balanced literacy card sorts, of reading card sorts and writing card sorts and word study card sorts in my store. And teachers who have, coaches who have used them with their teachers have really enjoyed it because it helps them talk through new pieces of information. Teachers can clarify things with their partners. It's good for dialogue and discussion. And it's not scary because everybody can pick up a card, read the card, and kind of talk about where it might fit in with the other pieces of information that you're sharing. They, um, they, you will also like it whenever you watch teachers do this because it'll show how they think. Because as they are explaining their thinking about why these two cards to go together, you're going, oh, I see. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't considered that perspective. And it's a way to really respect what they know and kind of uncover it in a very um, simple and low stress activity. Card matching works really well after you've introduced a little bit of information. So with the six traits example, maybe you've introduced um, a like basic video on the six traits, but you haven't really dug in to all the details yet. Um, you can share some background knowledge with the teachers and have them use that learning to match their cards and kind of solidify that first initial piece. And then you can add more pieces onto the top of that. My fourth tip, okay, maybe this is my favorite. <laughs> My fourth strategy is a book pass. Book passes are the best and you can use them with kids too. And I always used to use them with my um, students in the classroom, especially at the beginning of the year, but you can use them with teachers whenever. Basically what you do is you provide a basket of books or baskets, depending on how many groups of teachers you're working with, and they're related to the content that you are learning about. Now these are children's books, books that the students could read. And so in a content area training, for example, if, you are, if you're in a unit right now about the solar system, you could have a bunch of different top books about the topic of the solar system in baskets. If you are learning about the American Revolution, you can include a bunch of different kinds of books from different perspectives and um, in different styles, some nonfiction, some historical fiction in baskets. If you are learning about symmetry in math, you can have a bunch of different books about symmetry in nature and poetry about symmetry. There's tons of stuff out there. So in a literacy training, it could be books that are used to teach specific strategies like main idea or writing an interesting introduction. I've used this strategy a lot with writing. And so I would have a basket of books and teachers had to dig through the books and find the mini lesson that could be taught with each book or hunt through the book and see is this a, what examples of good beginnings can we find we're learning about good beginnings that's what we're asking our kids to work on right now let's dig through the books and see what kind of good beginning is included in each book and label it so that whenever we go to plan later we know exactly which mentor texts we're going to use
So you have teachers dig through those baskets and record them on sort of, it could be like a table that they record them with maybe the title of the book, the author and the topic or the mini lesson that they could teach with it. They might, you know, need to record a note or two about why they selected that book or they could actually put a sticky on the book to mark the page that had a specific mini lesson on it that they were going to use. And when they finish looking through their basket, they just put all the books back in and they pass them to the next table and then they get a new basket as well and they look through those. Teachers love it because it's fun to look at books and it gives them new ideas of the resources they can use in their classrooms. And you'll like it because they actually will use the authentic resources that they have because they've had time to look through them and figure out how they might use them. So you can use this anytime. When teachers need to look through their resources is a great time to use it because that happens all of the time. I know that I myself in the classroom, I spent so much of my planning time just trying to find the exact right book to teach specific things. And this would have been a great way for my coach to introduce to me new literature, literature that had maybe a different style or perspective than I was used to using. Um, and also great for content area books because we want people using literature all day long. Kids need to read and write all day long. So no matter what content you teach, a book pass is a great tool to support teachers and finding the tools that they need to teach well. My fifth strategy is called get the gist. So how it works is on a piece of paper, you have teachers write 22 blanks. And so the teachers have to write a 22 word summary of the information that you've been working on together by writing one word in each blank to build a sentence. And then you have them narrow it down to 15 words. Or you could say 10. It depends on what mood you're in. <laughs> Partners work really well for this activity because people can talk through what they think is essential and what they think is most important and what should be included. So teachers like it because it's a challenge. And like one teacher told me, it kind of makes summarization a game. And one of, and one of the seventh, seventh grade teachers that I was working with told me this. And it's true. She used it with her students and they really enjoyed it too because it was more of a fun challenge trying to get the all the information that you needed to say in the exact right number of words. And you will like it because it will tell you exactly what teachers understood from an experience that you shared with them. So if you did a whole workshop on um, strategies for teaching number sense and their whole summary for that day in their 22 word statement is all about one specific strategy, well, maybe they really got that one strategy, but did they understand the idea of number sense? It makes it really clear what they're taking away with them. So you can use it to have them summarize their learning about a specific topic that you've been training them on. For example, if your training has been all about 5e model in science, you can have them write a summary statement about the 5e model to see what they got out of that. And then they have to narrow it down even further to a fewer number of words by isolating the most essential information. So it's very interesting to see what they choose to cut out. My sixth and final strategy that I'm gonna share with you is gonna sound really obvious, but how often do teachers really get to do this? It's plan a lesson. So here's what you do. Whenever you have been learning about something new, for example, let's say it's guided reading, and you've done a whole workshop on guided reading, reserve a chunk of time for teachers to actually plan a lesson using the approach that you've been learning about. So you provide the resources and the time for teachers to build a lesson that really incorporates that new learning. 
Teachers like it because it's purposeful time to do something they need to do anyway, which is to plan. And you will like it because it'll give you the opportunity to ensure that teachers are integrating the new practices and learning into their teaching. You're giving them the time to build that into their schedule, to build that into a lesson that they're going to do soon. And instead of them saying, oh, I never tried that out, you've kind of taken away one hurdle because they've got a, plan, a lesson plan ready to go by the time they leave your workshop. And you're there to support them if they're stuck anywhere. So after you've provided teachers with information about a new strategy or a resource, you want to make sure that they know how to actually apply it into their teaching. So give them some time to use that information to create a lesson. And I would probably recommend chunking this because what often happens is we say, okay, and now you have the next 30 minutes to plan and teachers kind of hang out and do not plan. And that is a very, very common problem. So what I would recommend is you say, okay, so the first step is we're going to figure out our learning target. So everybody figure out a learning target. I'm going to give you three minutes, share it with your partner. That might seem like you're pressuring teachers for time, but mostly you're trying to support them and get them through the process without anybody sort of falling behind and not getting the support that they need before they leave that workshop. You can do it other ways as well. And you can say, okay, so everybody's going to plan their lesson. Then you're going to take a picture of it and you're going to share it on our Padlet our, that we're, we're creating for responses. Everybody has to share their lesson by 325 or whatever time your, your workshop's going to end. And that way there's some sort of accountability that motivates teachers to create something that they're proud of. So these are some of my favorite strategies for professional development. Um, whenever I use these, people walk away with new understanding, with their experiences valued. They can adjust any misconceptions that they've had. They communicate with their partners and their teammates. And they also walk away with a plan, <laughs> which is ideal, right? So I really hope that you try one of these strategies out. And if you do, I want to hear from you. If you can go onto Instagram and share and tag me at Buzzing with Miss V, I would love to see if you used one of these of my six favorite strategies. I'm going to run through them again so you remember what they are. Number one was word sorts. Two is graffiti. Three is card matching or sorts. Four is a book pass. Five is get the gist, and six is plan a lesson. Those are my favorite six strategies. I hope that you implement them really soon and that you go to buzzingwithmissv.com and uh, you can actually view the, the pictures that I have from times that I have used these lessons. I will share that in the show notes if you go to buzzingwithmissv.com slash episode 40. That is going to take you to the uh, show notes for this episode so that you can click the link to visit the six must use strategies for professional development and sort of see those in action. Next week, I am really excited to bring you an interview with Naomi O'Brien of Read Like a Rockstar. We are going to talk about um, how race can impact a coaching relationship. So I really hope that you join us next week for that important topic. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.